I got a wife and two kids back in Detroit. Haven't seen them in six months. Steel mills were laying people off left and right. They finally went under. We gave the steel companies a break when they needed it. Know what they gave themselves? Raises. The golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rule. They close one more factory. We should take a sledge to one of their fancy fucking foreign cars. You know, you ought to have a little more patience with life. Yeah, well, I'm all out. Welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. This week, we're discussing John Carpenter's 1988 sci-fi action comedy, They Live. I'm Jason. This is Red. Let's let's go to the news. News. I got news. What do you got this week? I got news that Patrick Stewart will be reprising his role as yes. Captain Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek, of course, on yes. CBS, but it will be streaming. You're going to have to pay to see it. Yes. I, I, he also I, I, has an executive producer role. Yes, I have that same news. So it looks like it's going to be a continuation, basically a where is Picard now kind of series. Um, it's, it's after Next Generation. Uh, it's it's not like a it's not like a continuation of the of the next generation. It's it's more uh, yeah. It's it's more of a he's moved on. What is he doing now? Type. Thing. I'm hoping it's going to be like the TV series Aftermath. Oh God, where it's no! Set in a quiet Missouri suburb. Oh God, no! Why would you do and that? And he can and he can. Look at the the galactic news and comment about it. Every once in a while, Jordy comes over to bring him some Metamucil. <laughs> no, Aftermath was awful. I want this show to be exactly. Good. <laughs> uh, after Enterprise, uh, that should be what it's called. After Trek, Trek no more. <laughs> Trek they call no it more. Trek no more. No, I think There's uh no more Trek. I think the plan is to to have cameo appearances from a lot of the the next generation. I think cast. the plan is to find a way to get people to get that fucking streaming service because it ain't working. Well, yeah, I mean, this is probably something that will get me to actually pay for uh, at least a couple months so that I did can you watch see, the entire series. Did you see but, the trailer for the next season of Star Trek Discovery? Now I could give a shit about discovery. They're bringing. Well, it was in the same article I read. It was uh, an insert down below the article about uh, Patrick Stewart, and they are bringing the, the the. Apparently, the way the Star Trek Discovery series ended season one was the Discovery rendezvousing with the USS Enterprise, right? Season Pike's Enterprise. And Spock is the is the science officer. And so this Pike, is after the pilot episode of Star Trek. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh no, you said science officer. So science he's, he's officer, not, not, he's not first, first officer. officer. He's the science officer. Okay. They still got Major Barrett playing number one. I would assume. 
Okay. Or someone major. So this, this could be before the pilot. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, anyway, Spock is not on board the Enterprise. He is off with some issues. They detect some odd <laughs> anomalies. Convenient. They Yeah. They detect some odd anomalies, and it shows in the trailer that somehow or another these anomalies are affecting Spock. And... Captain Pike, Christopher Pike, is given temporary command of the Discovery. He beams over in the Kelvin universe, because that's what this is, is the Kelvin timeline. Uh, he beams over in a Kelvin universe version of Captain Kirk's gold tunic, black trousers, and uh, he's very much more uh, like Chris Pine's Captain Kirk in his attitude and his swagger and everything. Okay. And basically he's like, you know, no matter how dangerous it gets, you might as well have some fun while you're doing it. And, uh, it, it looks interesting. It looks interesting. They've got a little more, uh, comedy type, uh, humorous moments in the trailer. It was, it was an interesting trailer. It made me tempted to think, well, maybe since Picard's going to be coming back, this season looks pretty decent. I might want to drop the ten bucks or so to to watch. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm, so I'm, I'm loath to pay for streaming on the net because, as as you know, you and I, we go back to the days of the Wild West with the internet. What people call the underweb or the dark web, we just called the internet. Yeah. You know? So uh, if the new Star Trek series, actually, because, I mean, there, there hasn't been any scripts written yet, and this is all just pretty much tentative uh, in, its, in its production so far. So if this new uh, Next Generation series happens with, with Patrick Stewart, and if it's compelling enough, which I'm sure it will be because I'd, I'd love to see uh, Jean-Luc Picard again for me to actually buy an all access pass um then i might pick up discovery since i've already got the access but what i'm going to do is wait for the entire season to air online and then just binge watch that shit for a month or two and right. kill my subscription i'm not going to i'm not going to keep a perpetual fucking subscription to cbs all access cuz none of their other fucking shows i give a shit well about. But you need to be careful with that because they may have a limit. They may not have all the episodes. You know, by the time episode nine comes out, one and two may not be available anymore. Oh, surely they're not pulling that kind of bullshit they, on their own might. fucking platform. They might and say, hey, if you want to see episodes one through four, just pay us another three bucks. Oh, fuck that. Then then there's no fucking way I would pay for their it's, shit. It's, it's capitalism. I'm just saying it's possible. Yeah, no, I... As compelling as it would be to see, you know, Patrick Stewart again, if that's the shenanigans that they're going to pull, there's there's no way I'm paying for their stupid platform. Right. No, I understand. I understand. I'm just saying, prepare yourself just in case. Right. But what that's my got? news. I thought I was very happy when I found that nugget. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I was excited whenever I read that this morning. So, yeah, it was it was. uh I almost sent you a link to it last night, but I was about to go to bed. I'm like, <laughs> right. ah, fuck it, because he'll want to start talking, and it's nearly midnight, and I'm tired. <laughs> fuck that guy. 
I got to get some sleep. I need beauty sleep. And if you guys actually saw what I look like, you would encourage me to sleep more. <laughs> what else you got? That's it. That was All the right. big one right there. So I've got one other item. Uh, it looks like there's a bunch of movie memorabilia that are about to be auctioned off. Um, and this includes things like Han Solo's jacket from Empire. Uh, that would go so well with the shoes from Back to the Future. Well, another thing that would go really well with uh, shoes from Back to the Future is Marty McFly's hoverboard from Back to the Future Part 2. Oh, shit. That's being auctioned off. Here, let me just give you the list. So we've okay. got Han Solo's jacket uh, from Empire. That looks like it's going to go for about $660,000 to $1.3 million. Um, we got McFly's hoverboard that looks like it's going to go for about 40000 to $66,000. Um, we've got a Stormtrooper helmet from A New Hope that looks like it's going in the range of fifty to 80000 um, there's some, I mean, there's, there's like 20 items listed here. I'm just kind of hitting the highlights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Michael Jackson's speed demon costume from Moonwalker. We're digging way back. Uh, that's going for about oh. 13 to 20,000. Damn. Uh, Agent J's light up noisy cricket from Men in <laughs> Black for <laughs> about 10 to 15,000. Um, oh, here's something you might be interested in. Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman corset from Batman Returns. Dude, I might be able to fit in that shit now. Oh, really? So I'm working it. I'm trying to get healthy. So, yeah. So it's only going for about four to seven thousand. Yeah. I'm tempted to tell my oldest son that he can't go to college this semester so I can buy that. <laughs> so that you can uh, you can put that on and I can take pictures. Just from the neck down. Just from the neck nothing, down. Nothing course. else matters from the neck up anyway. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator jacket is going for... Uh, Which 20, one? Uh, from Terminator. The original. Um, the original. Uh, is going for about twenty six to 40000 I kept hoping he'd like... You remember, you remember in, uh, I think it was Terminator 3... Is that the one with the female Terminator? Yeah. yeah. When uh, he goes in, that he would, the only thing he could find was a members-only jacket. <laughs> like an <laughs> 80s retro night or something. Nice, yes. I don't want to see Schwarzenegger in a members-only jacket. And then the only vehicle he could find is a Fiero. <laughs> could he even fit in a Fiero? <laughs> I don't know. I was just, just thinking, it'd be great, the Terminator... You know, <laughs> ba -da 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 -da, and a Fiero. Oh, oh, that'd be the shit. Uh, we've got Indiana Jones's fedora from Raiders. Uh, that's going for like two hundred sixty-five to almost four hundred thousand dollars. That is a cool fucking chapeau. Yeah, Captain America's distressed army rescue costume from the first Avengers going for the low, low price of fifty to eighty thousand. Right. And Anakin Skywalker's hero lightsaber from Revenge of the Sith is going for around sixty-six to one hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars. Some people got too much money. I don't know. There's quite a few items on this list that I wouldn't mind having if I had that. Kind oh, of I didn't say I cash. wouldn't mind having 
the items, I just don't think I'd want to spend that much money. I mean, some of this shit would buy you a nice home. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like, true. Well, I could, I could get, I could get the addition and the pool and the jacuzzi, or I could get this fucking hat. <laughs> you know, you'd pick the hat. No, not unless it bubbled and made, made, made my stress of the day go away. I'm sure you could make that hat bubble. I bet I could make it bubble. But yeah, that sounds cool. I am very happy that somebody or several somebodies will get some additional joy in their life for owning that property. All right, well, let's get into the review. You ready for the pod crawl? Oh, I am always ready to crawl. Let's do it. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod Crawl? The pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Excellent! Insert it deep! Pod crawl! Kind of like a space suppository full of information. This film is alive. Back in a time when trains had cabooses, Rowdy Roddy Piper walks the rail from his too. only companion. Yeah. A banker who has fallen on hard times, even in the city of Los Angeles, there are no jobs for a hard-working white-collar Joe like Piper. A banker that carries his own tools and isn't afraid to take off his shirt and shovel some sand, he is afraid to take directions from Frank played by Keith David. A Hoover-era tent city with hot showers seems legit. Piper is a man who doesn't <laughs> let conversation get in the way of a meal, an optimist with a harmonica. Professor Cardigan interrupts this programming to bring you this important conspiratorial Cardigan. announcement. This mission from Professor Cardigan, if you choose to accept it, is to destroy the source of the transmissions of something. Piper stumbles upon an Episcopalian meth lab with blue blockers and a smuggler's hold. Blue right. Thunder gets the jump on the Episcopalians by using stealth mode and the LAPD raids the church as the blind preacher and Professor Cardigan play. Yeah. In a time before the police had armored personnel carriers, they used backhoes. Professor Cardigan and the blind right. priest get beaten down by riot police in a scene that seems eerily contemporary. The Episcopalians have moved out but left yeah. a box of sweet, sweet blue blockers behind. Piper's blue blockers have the power to render the world in black and white just like real blue blockers, but these also make all consumer products into 70s and 80s era generics, expose subliminal messages and rip the faces off of people in power ties. They also affect hearing somehow. Piper is a man in a world where blue corn tortillas are dated, a true hellhole of a world. The faceless have spy watches and are onto Piper and his weave belt. Running from the faceless, Piper stumbles into a bank with a small arsenal and delivers a timeless, classic one-liner. The spy watches have teleportation abilities. A hovering penis camera tracks Piper and gets shotgunned in return. Piper practices his kidnapping skills and evades the manhunt while hitting on his victim. Piper runs out of mullet power and collapses in Holly's mullet living room. Power, yes. Holly reveals she's a TV exec, bashes Piper on the head with a wine bottle, throws him out of a two-story house and down a hill and calls his location in. Piper's mullet so. is the only thing that saved him. <laughs> Piper is shocked to discover that sanitation actually picks up the trash in LA. Frank throws cash and jabs at Piper, starting an epic street brawl between a couple guys who know street brawls. Yep. Piper and his plus one rent a room in a seedy motel to rest and recover. The soup kitchen guy finds Piper and Frank to recruit them for a raid. They meet ZZ Top's little brother and enter into the base of the Resistance. The Resistance gives them new blue blocker contact lenses since sunglasses at night seem suspicious unless you are Corey Hart. The guys <laughs> arm up and get a spy watch of their own. Holly arrives on the scene and Piper seems to be both plotting revenge and mildly aroused. The police raid the hideout and kill most of the resistance as Frank uses Piper as a human shield and retreats out the back with Holly. Frank breaks his watch and it opens a portal to a maintenance corridor. The aliens communicate with Ghostbusters PKE meters. 
The guys yeah, stroll into do. a black tie yeah. dinner and nobody bats an eye, including the man speaking and is looking directly at them. The homeless guy from the start of the movie gives the guys the nickel tour exposing all of the alien infrastructure and, holy shit, there is a transport portal with routes to Tampa, Cancun, London and Andromeda. Piper and Frank raid Cable 54, the source of the transmission, shoot their way through an army of security guards, and snag Holly on the way. Piper's mullet might make him invincible, but it doesn't make him smarter and he doesn't question how Holly avoided the raid and made it back to the studio. Holly uses a hidden pistol to expose Frank's brain to the outside world as Piper makes it to the roof and the transmitter. Piper takes out Holly with a hidden pistol of his own, blows the transmitter and the faceless are exposed, and roll end scene boob credits. Right. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah, that stuck out. I mean, I mean, that was instantly recognizable whenever that dude was talking into the whole Ghostbusters PKE meter. I was like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, but which came first? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was like 1984. Was it? Oh, that's right. You're right, because that was the movie I went on my first date. Yeah, so... I remember that. So I they dug like, out some, I was some like, old props. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, was, I was like in junior high when that movie came out, so yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> and I, I actually damn, looked I'm it old. up. I actually looked it up because I was like, holy shit, no way they fucking recycled that prop. Because, I mean, that's just an iconic fucking prop. Oh, yeah. Sure enough. But... I got to give points. This movie, I, I wasn't really, I mean, I'd watched a little bit of wrestling when I heard that the hot rod was going to be in a movie. I'm like, oh my God. And <laughs> watched it. Can't tell you how many times that I rented this damn thing on VHS. Yeah. Owned a copy on VHS. This, this movie, I don't even, I, I can't even honestly say that I watched it again so much as I just, Sat with an old friend. <laughs> right. There was there was nothing like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I didn't just, oh, yeah. It was just, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. It was like you watching Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. No, Good no, I, I I've like seen this. this movie so many different times as well. I mean, I catch it. It's it's on, uh, seems to be on cable a lot, or it was for a while. I think uh, Stars has the right to it now, so it's it it's not played as much, but... Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those movies that you're flipping channels and mm-hmm. I see it on and yeah, I'm definitely stopping and, and just sitting watching this this show. Oh so. sure. Now the uh the aliens are here, they've got their cloaking technology, subliminal messages and everything. I seem to recall in an interview with John Carpenter mm-hmm. that his concept of the bad guys, you know, come from the, from the, I can't remember the name of the short story, something about like it's eight o'clock or something like that. Yep. Uh, was based on his view of the Republican Party. Reaganomics. And I can certainly see that, that, that makes a lot of good connections yeah. with that in mind. It really does. Yeah. So um, this, this story is based on the short story by Ray Nelson. It's called Eight O'Clock in the Morning. And yeah, he he wrote this script as kind of a commentary on Reaganomics and the Reagan era in general. Um, dribble down economics. Yeah, dribble down. It's going to dribble down all over your chin. Uh-huh. So, um And who really gets the benefit from a good blowjob, the catcher or the receiver? <laughs> right, right. 
Um, but yeah, and, and a general commentary on, on capitalism that I think a lot of the points that are made in this movie are even more relevant today oh, than yeah. they were back in the 80s. It's, and it's, I, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why this movie has such staying power is because even though the, the, the fashion and the technology is dated, <laughs> yeah, albeit, <laughs> um, you know, the, the exception being the communication device that the aliens use. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's always a curve. Yeah. But it is so contemporary. I mean, you, you could easily, please don't do it. You don't need to change perfection, but you could easily reboot this. There was actually a remake in the works back, uh, around 2010 that, entered into production hell so nothing has come of it but yeah they were actually thinking about rebooting this oh and we also have to be sure and give points to mr carpenter as with so many of his other films he did the music did he really i'm pretty sure he was one of the guys assisting with that synthesizer it it certainly is definitely 80s era soundtrack but yeah and i find also that some of the Technology that is referenced that was nowhere around. He did back in the eighties. We he did do the music have with Alan uh, Howarth. You're right. Yeah. Well, I was really reaching back for that one. I'm just. It was an interview <laughs> I saw like six, seven years ago. I was going down the rabbit hole with some of that conspiracy shit. What I like to call my stories. I'll put Your on, stories. Uh, You're so I call them my stories because I'll, I'll find something <laughs> on YouTube. And uh, it's like, oh, you know, Bigfoot, it was, you know, actually, you know, in disguise as Nancy Reagan. Okay. And I'll hit play and I go to sleep that. listening to that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Every time you see a blurry picture of, of Bigfoot, I get reminded of Nancy Reagan. You're right. Well, you'll never see Nancy Reagan and Sasquatch at the same time. That's true. I have never just, seen them in the same saying, space. Just saying. You're right. It, it all makes sense now. It does, but there are some there are some things though. Uh, I like some of the comments are timeless, not just the bubblegum quote. Oh yeah. Um, this... Also, there is uh, life's a bitch and she's back in heat. Yeah, excellent, excellent quote. <laughs> but then also when uh, they're being taken on the tour, the little the little wino said everybody sells out. So that and, that line is actually pretty much a direct quote from a movie exec that was talking with John Carpenter. He said that um, everybody sells out. Uh, you might as well be on the winning team. Right. He said that to John Carpenter, and John Carpenter put it in the movie specifically because of that. It's again, it is, it is, it is, it is a truth. Is the truth. How many of the listeners sitting there, you wake up, you go to work, would you do that job for free? Oh, Is hell it something no. that truly interests you? Think of the number of times that we make decisions based upon what we're going to get out of it versus our own intrinsic value that we've set upon it. And there is a lot of truth to it. And I think if you go beyond the obvious in this movie and move into the ephemeral we can start looking within ourselves 
And I also think that's another reason why this movie is is so relevant to the viewer. But I don't think waking up and going to work is selling out. I think that's well. It depends on the job you're doing. I mean, yeah, but I mean, think about some of the jobs people do. You know, I mean, not not to put too good a point to it. How many people do things they would not normally do, but they're doing it because of the cash or because of the prestige or whatever. I mean, not all strippers are nursing students. I thought you had to be a nursing student to become a stripper. I thought that was that's, a licensing That's requirement. what they tell you in the application. But, no, I just think there are people that do things that they wouldn't normally do, but they do it because of what they're getting in return. It's not just because it's going to better themselves or the people around them. I think that... I would classify that as a sellout. It's not a matter of... What wouldn't you do? It's more a matter of just haggling the price. Well, I, I disagree somewhat because I think selling out is, oh, how do I put this? I think selling out is going against your own code of ethics or your own morals to uh, do something for monetary or intrinsic gain mm. that you normally wouldn't do unless if you didn't have that monetary or intrinsic gain. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that me getting up and going to work so that I can live and support me and my family is, is selling out. Well, it's, I just it's mean not certain going industries, certain industries. Like what? Well, like exotic dancing. Well, I mean. I'm I sure there are some people that really enjoy doing it. Sure. But I also think there are people that keep it secret. They don't want family or friends knowing. Okay. And they're doing it simply because of what they're getting in return for it. They can't make that kind of money doing anything else, and they want the lifestyle. They're compromising their own principles for other reasons. In that in that specific situation, the way you described it, I can see that as maybe being interpreted as, as selling out. Yes. And politics. Oh yeah, politics is, is all about fucking selling in my out. Opinion. It's worse than prostitution. <laughs> but you know, yeah, even if you don't like what you're doing, you still might orgasm. But in politics, <laughs> right? But yeah, I mean, I just think there's a lot of things that we sell out on. You know, there might even be somebody doing a, a good job, an, an honorable job. They're working in the family business. You know, maybe maybe they're an architect or a mechanic or a cook. And they are selling themselves out, you know, out of some sense of obligation or duty. And it's their, their heart's not in it. They do not want to do it. And they're selling themselves out. I, you know, it doesn't have to be a grandiose sellout. Well, I, don't, I, I, think, I wouldn't classify that as a sellout either because, yeah, they, that may not be exactly what they want to do. But it's, it's pretty pretty rare that you get to make a living doing exactly what you want to do true true but when you could be doing something else i mean there's there's different levels of selling out there are different levels and i just think that that one statement covers a lot of ground with very few syllables it covers a lot of ground it does but i wouldn't consider that last scenario selling out as as compromising no Compromising uh, on, on, you know, your your career. Uh, okay. I see where you're going. I can see that too. But 
I just, you know. I think I anyway. have a, a more narrow definition of selling out than, than what you do. I yeah, well, I mean, it's just there. there's big sellout, there's little sellout. There's, there, I mean, you just saw calling something a lie versus a white lie or minor deception versus a lie. You know, I'm, <laughs> I understand. I'm being a little more black and white. But yeah, I mean, we all do, and to to one degree or another, we do things, you know, based upon whatever justification and reasoning that we have. And I think if we were to go back to the more surface area that's being touched on this movie, the obvious, were something like this to occur, I can see a lot of humanity saying, "Okay, yeah, I'll go along with it." Yeah, I mean, and there might be different circumstances as to why. Somebody might go along with that. I mean, there's been a lot of totalitarian and, and fascist regimes where the some of the populace has has played along or or uh, oh, what's the what's the word that I'm looking for here? Collaborators Cap- capitulated um, for one reason or another. Either they felt powerless and you know were afraid that they would would die or or suffer harm if they didn't or they mm-hmm. were just evil fuckers and were all in they finally get a chance yeah they were all in with what the government was doing so i mean there's sure there's various situations i think uh one one side of that is is definitely a sellout and the other is just you know surviving <clears throat> but another thing there wasn't a whole lot of political going on in this there was at the beginning when he was first getting his his glasses but a lot of it seemed to be focused more from corporate. Right, yeah. No, this, this was definitely... Which uh, can be argued is what drives the political machine. It is now, especially in, in America. Um, especially since, you know, uh, the Supreme Court has determined that corporations are people. Um, sure. I think that's been a humongous anathema to, to, to democracy, but... Ooh, good word. Anathema. Yeah. That's um, what we put on the rag on the date, right? Yeah. We puts the anathema on the rag. Does this smell like either? Help me find my puppy. <laughs> He's about size 14. But no, I mean, this This movie was definitely focused more on, on socioeconomics than politics, so... Sure, it really is. And, you know, it's it's a matter of, you know, you could even uh, touch on the, the social Darwinism that is alluded to. I mean, if you have a chance to survive, which is what we're really looking at, you know, I mean, I'm sure that wino it was, it was a decent guy, probably, you know, a little bit on the selfish side, for whatever reason, wasn't able to physically get out and work a whole lot. But when presented an opportunity... He fucking did it. He jumped. He jumped on board. Yep. And it's because he felt that it would better enable him to survive. Well, you know, He saw the situation, like he said, they already own, they control the whole damn planet. You can't stop them. What's wrong in having it good for a little bit? If yeah. you do what they say and go along, they'll leave you alone. Yeah, but he took it one step further, and he actually was cooperating with them. I mean, so the majority of the populace doesn't even know that they exist. So sure. they're they're not so much cooperating with the uh, the oppressing class. No, but I was speaking directly to him. Right. And I think a lot of people, were they given that chance, okay, look, we're not out to hurt anybody. 
We're going to give you a fuck ton of money. We're going to give you prestige, power, and celebrity if you so desire it. And all but, you got to do is keep your mouth shut. But that that's a, that's a different situation because he was aware of what was going on and chose to cooperate instead of just living like everybody else in... Uh, but that's what ignorance. I'm saying. Were you present? Were were an individual presented with this? The way he did I it, think, I would consider him a sellout. Well, sure, but I think a lot of people would sell out too. Yeah, I well presented with that situation, yes. But I think um, somebody who wouldn't sell out would say, "No, I'll just live my life." Yeah, I can't stop you, but. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna actively oppose you either because you know I, I value my life and right. Um, so I'm not really gonna join the resistance either to kind of actively mm. stop you. They're they're kind of kind of in the middle ground neutral, and I wouldn't consider them selling out at that point. But let's say that uh, it's all over and done with. Humans win. The bad guys go away, and it's brought. To uh, it's brought to the attention of the world at large that you took up that neutral position, knowing everything that you know. Could war crimes be brought against you? I wouldn't think so. You weren't actively helping them with their tyranny, so I wouldn't think so. So, if you knew somebody was dying because of this, and you allowed it to happen. You didn't stop it, but you didn't do anything to assist it either. Couldn't that be prosecuted in a court of law on a smaller scale, just involving individuals? Couldn't that be considered a high crime against the Constitution? I'm not sure about that. I'm not. I, I'm not sure on the legality of that. So if you if you see somebody getting murdered, like somebody getting the, beaten to death. Right. I don't know that you're not interfering with that would constitute you um, actually aiding in that murder. Exactly. Because you would be putting yourself at harm and you can't you can't be held liable for not putting yourself at harm. True, true. But I was just, you know, thinking, I mean, because in a situation like this, once you once you have the knowledge of what's going on. I mean, you're kind of, I don't know that neutrality is an option. You kind of have to pick a side. I don't think so. Um, because then you're basically condemning the, you know, the entire German population during world war two for not picking a side. Well, hasn't the entire German population since world war two kind of been persecuted for that? I mean, They've got such a stigma associated with them because of those atrocities. Well, I think I think Germany as a whole has a historical stigma put against it or, uh -huh. or put a, put upon it uh, right. because of, of Nazism in, in the 40s. But I don't think the German population now is associated with Nazis, no. Because I was also told, and you, you should, uh, you, you might have heard this, but I heard there is an actual movement. I don't know how big it is, but there's an actual official, you know, a city council vote could do this, that Austin might get its name changed because it's named after Stephen F. Austin. He was a slave owner. Um, no, I have, 
haven't heard that. Our, so. our black belt, our black belt buddy mentioned that to me last night that he had heard via the the internet or whatever that. There are some people that have approached the city council at Austin saying, we don't want to be in a city that's named after a slave owner. Okay. Well, I can, I can see that happening. I don't see that. I don't see that moving through the city council. I don't see Austin changing its name. Right. Um, well, I, can I mean, definitely it would have to a- take a vote by the council to do it. And I don't know that the council would do that, but the thing is, I mean, when, you know, this is definitely going off in another direction, but I was just wondering, you know, when do we say, okay, it was a mistake, we're not going to do it ever again, but we're not going to, you know, continue to to try and, and, I mean, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's like editing history, but I mean, when do you say, okay, it's water under the bridge, we need to move forward, we'll learn from it, but we're we're not going to continually beat people over the head with it. I mean, when does a single wrong ruin a thousand rights? Because Washington was a slave owner. Jefferson was a slave owner. Right, yeah. Most of the... Founding fathers. Most of the founding fathers were slave owners. Um, and I, I mean... It, it was just part of the socioeconomic times back then. Not that it was right. Um, sure. But it was, it was just how things worked because i was just thinking i mean if, if they could do that and in the unlikely event that it were to go through and austin gets its name changed what about washington dc i think the difference i think uh i think one of the things that you're trying to touch on here is the the taking down of the confederate monuments um Oh, well, I have no problem with that. They have right. no business being on government land. If they want to be in a museum or private property, go for it. I think, I think the difference is that, yes, while Washington and Jefferson and many of the founding fathers of, uh, of America and, you know, and of Texas uh, were slave owners, that was the socioeconomic conditions of the time. Uh, again, not that it was right; it was still a reprehensible practice. Mm-hmm. But to put it mildly, but I don't know that Washington and and Jefferson actively fought for slavery. I think it was. In fact, I want to say that. And no, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try and dig that out of memory because I, I I'll probably be wrong. But I know that some of the founding fathers were actively opposed to slavery. And mm-hmm. uh, tried to tried to get that into the Constitution at one point, but well, it um, did take them eleven years to get the Constitution officially ratified because of North and South arguing over the slave issue. Right. So I think the difference between them and you know the Confederate people that are monumentalized in the South. And in some places up as as far north as like, you know, Missouri and shit. Um, I think the difference between there is they were actively fighting for slavery. That was that was mm-hmm. something they wanted. That was an institution that they wanted to keep. Exactly. Around. And that's why I think this thing against Austin is bogus. But yeah, because, again, it's probably bad to say this, especially, you know, me being a native Texan. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Austin and his uh, his life. I mean, I, I know the highlights of what he did as far as, mm. you know, founding Texas and its independence. Um, but 
as far as the nuances of, of his life, I, I'm not sure about. So right. I don't, well, I don't know like, what I his mean, political views on, on slavery were exactly. Well, and if, if but if they were to do that, the, to, to me, by extension, the next logical thing to do would be to, uh, what would you, what do you call de-annexing something? Simple return. De-annexing? Um, yeah, like you annex territory, and then you're going to return said territory. You you can secede, but I guess you'd have to cede it, cede the territory. Yeah, because the original uh, land lands that were done at the you know uh, when Texas and and Mexico cleared everything up, Texas stopped at the Natchez River. Right. Well, and then so Texas, Mexico said that Texas stopped at the Natchez. Texas right. said that Texas stopped at the Rio Grande. Right. There was so, a, there was a dispute there. <laughs> there was a dispute, and when the Mexicans weren't there to stop the military from moving up to the Rio Grande, it just that became land. That was that was Texas. So I mean, does that mean we give that back? Well, no, what because about the wrongs of the Native the Americans. US, the U.S. bought that. Remember, the U.S. marched all the way down to Mexico City and bought Texas and all of the Southwest, all the way to California. Right, right. Well, they bought right. it in as we're going to give you this money, and you're going to give us, this and money. you're going to take it. I was going to say the, the the money was on the end of a bayonet. Let's uh, let's not make it sound like you're just going to Costco to pick up some pickles. Otherwise, we're going to annex Mexico too. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah, but again, it goes to the greater corporate, the greater power. You know, the strength, the money, the influence is going to be good and bad on both sides of the fence, and that's what we're seeing in this movie is it's it's all a matter of who do you perceive as the winning team and you know the winners historically write the history yes and and well they shape the history to favor them well of course i mean you definitely have an objective history yes but there's also the subjective side to that history where you know Somebody's going to look a lot better than the other. Mm-hmm. And that's typically written by the victor. Of course, of course. But yeah, this movie is awesome. The fight scene, I think, is one of the best fight scenes yes. in <laughs> cinematic history. Yes. I know a lot of times fights end up on the ground and there's grappling. Well, and this, that, I've also that seen plenty of too. fights where it's just guys throwing haymakers. Yeah. So they rehearsed this fight for three three weeks and it was originally only supposed to be like you know a a 30 second a 45 second fight but keith david and rowdy rowdy piper uh you know basically kind of ad-libbed part of the fight and choreographed the rest they were throwing punches they they would pull back on on punches to the face and groin but Mm -hmm. the rest of them were just they were they were fighting and, yeah, uh, and, and that's awesome. They practice like this watching fight for, wrestling. They practiced this fight for three weeks, and when Carpenter saw the end result of the five-minute fight, he left the entire five-minute fight in the movie. 
Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I like it, especially when, when Roddy was bringing the forearm up for the first groin hit. And Keith Davis like, you dirty <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. That was, I think that was legit. I don't think that was scripted. I don't think that was scripted at all. I'm sure Roddy was going to go for the inside of the thigh like they train you in the wrestling. Yeah. Well, you know right. that, that bubblegum line that he threw out there whenever he went into the bank? That was ad-libbed by Roddy, too. Oh, was it? Yeah, he pulled awesome. that from a list of, of things that he would say during his wrestling interviews. And, yeah, he, he threw that in, and, and Carpenter liked it and left it in. Now, there were some podcasts with Roddy Piper before he passed from this, this existence. Yeah, I know, uh, heart that- attack. That he uh, he said there was a lot of truth in that movie that he saw that we're touching on today in this in this little uh, podcast. Yeah, what there is there is a definite not aliens, but there is there's a lot of people. He was on the bandwagon with the 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 secret government, you know, the corporate America that really runs everything, and how people need to open their eyes and wise up and start using their wallets more uh, discriminating. When it comes in a more discriminatory fashion, when it comes to purchasing things, because you're, you know, in some instances, you're supporting corporations and things that are bad for America, bad for the planet. That's interesting because when Carpenter was uh, going on tour to promote the film with him, and in interviews, he wanted him to, you know, kind of talk about Reagan and Reaganomics and stuff, and and uh, Piper kind of pulled back from that since he was mm-hmm. in the country on a green card. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's he's from Canada. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. He smells like maple syrup there. <laughs> and uh, didn't want to kind of, and he liked Reagan. He said so. He didn't want to. He didn't want to comment on politics during the interview. So he kind of pulled back mm-hmm. from that. So it's interesting that you know, twenty years later, he he uh, he he started talking about that. Well, and a lot of people do that. I mean, as sure. you get older, you know, you you've got. Less risk. I mean, you know, deathbed confession or, or whatnot. Well, yeah. I mean, this this was during the, you know, when he was sitting high on top of, you know, the wrestling world, too. So. You don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Right. Yeah. Definitely. But, you're not going to rock the boat whenever, when, when, you're, when you're in that position. Certainly not. Certainly not. But, you know, he had already made his money. He was comfortable. His family was doing well. And he's like, yeah, you know. There's some shit. I'm pretty sure one of the reasons that John Carpenter wrote this movie, though, is just to deliver a whole bunch of cheesy one-liners. Because there were so <laughs> many cheesy one-liners. Well, and he had a chance to get on that Yamaha synthesizer. That's true, yeah. Can't miss that chance. He originally wrote this movie uh, with Kurt M- Russell in mind for the for the lead character. But after, after, I he, saw, see that. after he saw Piper in WrestleMania 3... Uh, he really wanted to cast him because of his his ruggedness. So, mm. and then uh, uh, da- uh, Keith David he wrote that role specifically for Keith David after Keith David was in the thing. I think Mr. David is an unsung Hollywood tough guy. He is such a good actor. He's got that great distinctive voice. I haven't seen him in a bad role, so. No, I mean, in his face, it's so expressive. He's such a good actor. I would love to see him in some more things. Yeah, because I would put him like like uh, like an unsung Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you know? he's, he's he's got that distinctive, I mean, that that deep, just luscious voice. Right. And, oh, I know, I and, know. Uh, and he does I really well actors, on the acting side. So. He definitely paved the way for a lot of our African-American icons. He really did a lot of work. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's just the, the, the ground that he, you know, the, the trails that he blazed, you know, he and, you know, Sidney Poitier, uh, you got, uh, uh, oh, fuck, I, I can see him. I can't believe I can't think of his name. James Earl Jones, thank you. Yeah, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. I mean, these guys, they, they, they've gone forth, and what was new and unique is now just everyday commonplace, which is excellent. That's how it should be. Right. Um, the, the racism, I know we still have a, a, a major problem with racism in a lot of aspects of our society, both in America and in the world at large. But things I think are decidedly better in many areas. And when it comes to Hollywood, you know, he, he was a trailblazer. And I just want to see him make some more stuff. I want to get that voice back up on the, on the screen again. Right. If nothing else, do some voice acting. I mean, damn. You done anything just, recently? I, I I'm sure it. we could IMDB it. Uh, let's do that. Little little research on the fly. So Here, allow me. I'll grab the zipper. All right, yeah, you, you take care of my zipper, and uh, I'll we'll work this that up. zipper. <laughs> let's make sure we get that thud. Yeah, apparently he's going to be in Marvel's New Warriors, which is coming out, or was announced. Um, it's a TV series. I guess it's coming out this year. It says 2018. Oh, okay. Um, so the last thing, he's been in Greenleaf. Uh, he plays Bishop James Greenleaf. Never heard of that. Neither have I. Uh, let's see... Uh, he did some voice acting on Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Sounds like a Disney thing. Okay. Um, that we may have seen. Looks like he's doing a lot of voice acting. He's been in Ben 10, Rick and Morty. Well, I couldn't imagine, you know, I Adventure mean. Adventure time. With, with that voice of his. I, oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine him not doing it. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's been in I The mean, Flash. He has such a nice, he has such a nice re- re- resonance to his voice. It's soothing to listen to. Yeah. He's been in The Flash, a couple episodes of The Flash. Um, yeah, he's doing a lot of voice acting. Cool. Good. Good. Oh, that's right. He was in the Halo series. Oh, yeah? Yes. Um, the Halo video game series. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, he plays the commander. Oh, all right. Yeah, he's he's doing a lot of voice acting, which is probably Perfect. really fucking lucrative, especially with his voice. Oh, I would imagine. I would imagine he and Mark Hamill. Who would have thought little Luke... Yeah, as far as voice acting goes, Mark Hamill is the Joker. Period. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. He is just the shit. You ever seen him do the Joker? He becomes the Joker. The his way he can face. point his eyebrows, yeah, his whole face. Oh my transforms. god! The first time I saw that, I want to say it was on a on a. It was it was YouTube, but it was like he was he was on like Oprah Winfrey. 
and the Batman television series had only been on for like maybe two years. Yeah. And they were just bringing out, you know, voice actors. She didn't announce who it was going to be. She's just like, you know, and here's the voice of the Joker. And, you know, they had him, you know, up against, you know, you just saw his silhouette. And he started doing the voice. He's like, thank you, Oprah. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> and then the lights came up and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I was just, oh, my God. And then just watching him do the voice acting and, oh, man, he's good. He's good. He's real good. Nice. But, uh, oh, yeah, I definitely enjoy it. And then, of course, uh, I think one of the neatest things I saw was when I saw the voices of Megatron and Optimus Prime, those little bitty men <laughs> with such big voices. Uh, that was specifically an interview I saw. There was a, isn't it Universal that has the ride for the Transformers movie? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. I think it's Universal Studios. Anyway, they were at the park for the you know christening of the ride. And they were both talking. And, of course, Optimus Prime always sounds like Optimus Prime. Right. But the guy that does Megatron, he just had to, just, he actually had to go into that voice. He reached into the drawer and pulled that out, like Daddy bringing out the 357, you know? Right. Wow. That was something else. I, was just, I just get the biggest kick out of that. I really do. But, yeah, I love this movie. This movie is awesome. It's great. I, it. I cannot push this movie enough. Yeah, this, I this think is on. Everybody, I think that everybody needs to own it, not just watch it. They need to own this movie. Yeah, this is, on, this is definitely on my, uh, my top ten list. So. And I had a lot of fun. And I did not own a copy because my VHS no longer works. I don't have the tape anymore, I'm ashamed to say. So if you can't find this in the 3 and $5 bins at Walmart, um, you can get it digitally purchased. I saw on Amazon for, I want to say it was 10 bucks. Yeah. And or if you, you have a Stars subscription, you can, uh, you can stream it off of Stars or through Amazon. I got it off YouTube for 3 bucks just for the day for a 48-hour rental. I think right. that's an awesome service that YouTube provides. Yeah. If I can't find what I want to watch, you know, for purchase on Amazon, I can find it on YouTube. And uh, I've never had a problem with the buffering or anything. It's it's a good way to do it. So any of you old farts out there like me that are hesitant to actually watch something digitally, the technology's gotten pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. I, I have proudly watched and owned several things on digital, and I do not really foresee myself buying many more discs. I'm thinking I'm going to pull a, a Jason and start making everything digital. Oh, I still buy discs. I just digitize them. Right. But it's it's so handy. And you don't have to worry about that Be Kind Rewind fee. Oh, no. You still have I'll- to rewind DVDs. Blu-ray. Although I'm a huge fan of Redbox, that's that's handier than hell. And I like how the fees stop after a point in time, and you just own it. <laughs> oh yeah, so if you if your fees get up to the price of the actual DVD, I guess you just yeah, it's like it. I think it gets up to twenty five dollars <laughs> or something. They just cut it off. <laughs> it's yours. Although I've never Congrats. tried to return a movie that's gone that far, it might just spit it back out. Oh, that'd be it's nice. like oh no no, this is yours. But yeah. It's it's a pretty good deal. So, let's get to the awards. Let's do it. So, who's got your uh, Black Lung Award? 
the Black Lung Award I'm going to give to our turncoat wino. Okay. Sounds good. So my Black Lung Award is going to the guy who was in that room after the first uh, police raid. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he looked like he was higher than a fucking kite. Oh, he was stoned for sure. But he was only smoking a regular cigarette because I saw a filter on the back of that. So uh, he must have been uh, must have been That's partaking good before. Cigarette. Yeah, that was that was his uh, post post chemical cigarette. So he's got okay. my, my black lung award. All right. Uh, for my head lush award, that's definitely going to Holly for weaponizing her alcohol. Okay, good. I did not consider that uh, my head lush award. I'm going to pass over to that alien all by himself in the bar. <laughs> yeah, when when everybody's start, uh, suddenly exposed to being able to see the aliens and he's uh-huh. sitting there staring at the TV and everybody's staring at uh-huh. him, you definitely yeah, get the, yeah. the sense that he's just sitting there going, oh, God. Oh it's God! Why is everybody? Drink. Give me, give me two more fingers of this. <laughs> why it's is everybody be a long looking night. at me? <laughs> That's a good. And one. who's like your that. player award? Oh man, player award is going to be hard, but um, I'm definitely going to probably give Holly a dual award here because she really? was she was playing mullet like uh, like nothing else. I mean, chicks she, dig the mullet. She definitely had him snowed. You gotta have a mullet. My my player award goes to the blonde at the end of the movie. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. I she like was, that. She was tapping that. She was tapping that, and then suddenly she was uh, tapping that. She saw what she was tapping, and I don't think she oh, was all yeah. too pleased. That's right. That's right. But she didn't stop the rhythm. She was doing that rhythm <laughs> method still. She looked a little. She looked upset. She was distressed, but she was still working the rhythm. Well, you might as well, you know, get your rocks off before you freak out. Hey, you're, you're already you're halfway there. there. You're committed. Nope. Uh, Purple Hippo Award. I am going to go back and I'm giving it to your Black Lung winner because he looks stoned all to shit. Yeah, that's a good one. He he definitely looks stoned all to shit. So my Purple Hippo Award is going to Piper in this one. He he definitely okay. uh, was was in an alternate reality every time he put on those sunglasses. And yeah. at one point, he even said it's it, it's it's kind of like a high, you know, but yeah. you come down real hard. So, uh huh. Well, there it is, ladies and germs. There it is. They live. John Carpenter, another one of his excellent films. Great movie. You got to watch. And that. I also like how uh, in the background, I can't remember exactly what scene it was, but there was a. Uh, it was when there was an alien. There were the the signal had been interrupted. And there was an alien that was doing a movie review, and he was criticizing Romero and Carpenter for all the violence and sex in their movies. <laughs> yeah. That was I a, thought that was really nice. That was a good nod to himself and Romero, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I think it's time to pick our movie for next week. Let's do this. Let's what are we going to do next week? All right, so you need to pick a number between 2 and 93. Ah, the list gets bigger and bigger. Let's go to 47. 47. Oh, this will be a good one. The 47. The second season of Space 1999? Oh, God, no. We've done Space 1999. It's off the list. (laughs) Off the fucking list. No more Space 1999. 
In fact, I the may... reboot twenty ninety nine. Oh God! The moon no. comes back. Oh God! No, please tell me there's not a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> now for our next movie, we will be watching James Cameron's nineteen eighty four movie about a seemingly indestructible android that's sent from twenty twenty nine to nineteen eighty four no. to assassinate a waitress. Whose unborn son will lead humanity into a war against the machines while a soldier what's from this that one? war what, what's is this sent to called? protect her at all costs? This one is called The Terminator. I don't think I've ever heard of it. You've, you've never heard of The Terminator. It's, it's a pretty obscure kind of uh, low-key sci-fi that probably not a whole lot of people have watched. Really? Okay. Yeah, is it? Yeah. So it's 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 the Terminator. So this is it's got what to do with uh, termites? Uh, yeah, termites. Um, there's termites. Yeah, there's there's an exterminator. Um, he he gets bitten by a radioactive termite and becomes ah, and becomes the okay. Terminator. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. Well, okay. A bug film. Okay. Cool. <laughs> we'll give it a we'll give it a look. We'll give it a look. The next Hopefully week, we'll, I'll rep, maybe there'll be somebody in there I can recognize. Any actors I might know? Probably not. I mean, I don't. I don't recognize any of these actors. Somebody named Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of that guy. Have you? I've heard of that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Didn't here's he do a- those juicy juice commercials out of. Uh, uh, it was out of East Germany. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I think here's a player from Juicy Juice. I think there's this player from uh, from that that musical Hamilton. Maybe it was named after Lim- Linda Hamilton. More than likely, yeah. That's probably yeah, yeah. There's uh, that. Somebody and, named um, Lance Henriksen. I don't. Oh, has he been oh, in anything? yeah, 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 yeah. I I want to say wasn't he that bicyclist? Oh yeah, that, got in that, trouble for yeah, all the drugs, Lance. For all the doping, yeah, Lance, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody, <laughs> uh, there's a guy named Bill Paxton too. Um, now, that, I, I, no, I've heard of Bill Paxton. Yeah, he's a Texan. He's oh, a Texan. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was that's the right, guy. He right. was the guy from Weird Science. He played Chet. That's right. Yeah, got got. Is he going to be squishy and juicy in this one too? I hope so. All right, that'll work. All right, so we'll be. We, I guess you could say, we'll be back. We'll be back. Thanks for joining us this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl music is Snack Fix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at status underscore podcast, or email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. I'm Jason. And this is Red, and I just looked up that movie, this this Terminex movie. Yeah? Apparently the androids got the glasses from They Live. Oh! So it's a, it's a sequel. It's a sequel! Perfect. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>